Getting Better Healthcare is brought to you in part by Leo Pharma. Every American is acutely aware of the issues surrounding our healthcare system. We know miracles can happen, but we find ourselves bombarded by conflicting information and are uncertain of what and whom we can trust. We have some of the best medical care in the world for those who can afford it. Incredible new drugs that change people's lives but can be very costly. Many of the best doctors the world has ever seen, but not all are perfect. That's why Dr. Steve Feldman created the show, Getting Better Healthcare, to help walk us through the labyrinth, helping us understand how to take better care of ourselves and to better understand the challenges, issues, controversies, and complexities of our healthcare system as it exists and as it could be. For better healthcare and a better healthcare system, listen to the doctor. Now, here's Steve. Hi, welcome to Getting Better Healthcare on webtalkradio.net. I'm your host, Dr. Steve Feldman, founder of the DrScore.com physician rating website. Today's program is part two of a two-part episode. We're joined again by Joe and Terry Graydon. They're the hosts of the public radio program, The People's Pharmacy. Their website, peoplespharmacy.com, has a wealth of resources to educate patients about healthcare conditions. And Joe and Terry are the authors of a new book, Top Screw-Ups Doctors Make and How to Avoid Them. On last week's episode, we talked to them about their radio show. Today, we're focused on their new book, Top Screw-Ups. We'll be speaking about the common problems that pop up in medical care and how you can avoid those pitfalls. Joe, Terry, the title, Top Screw-Ups Doctors Make and How to Avoid Them, could be seen as being rather controversial, but I, I honestly believe that there's nobody anywhere who would like to make sure that screw-ups don't occur in medical care any more than doctors. Uh, we're devoted to our patients. Well, we would hope so because we suspect that to, you know every physician who is practicing medicine today is trying to do the best for the patient and trying to reduce the likelihood of a problem or a screw-up. But as we mentioned at the very beginning of the show, not listening is a fairly common problem in medicine today in large measure because of the time pressures. If you have to see a patient every seven to ten minutes, uh, you don't have a lot of time to listen and then to talk. So we've seen study after study that shows doctors often interrupt patients within about 18 to 20 seconds of the patient starting to tell their story. That's not good enough. And, you know, you're familiar, I am sure, with the communication system between pilots and air traffic controllers. There's, there's kind of a short kind of language that's developed between them that verifies the pilot has heard what the air traffic controller says and the air traffic controller verifies what the pilot said. So it's a, what we call a teach-back kind of system. And that's what's needed between patients and doctors so that the patient can make sure the doctor has heard the top three or four priority issues. You know, what, what symptoms are really worrying you as the patient? And then the doctor says, I have heard that these are the things that are on your mind. This is what you're here for. This is what has you concerned. Am I correct? And if the, if the doctor hasn't gotten the full story, the patient can say, well, there's one other thing, doctor, that you didn't hear me say, and it is X, Y, or Z. One of the top screw-ups is missed diagnosis. 
It turns out that misdiagnosis happens anywhere from 5 to 15% of the time. At least 100,000 people die in this country every year because they were misdiagnosed. Part of that is because, number one, lack of time, what we just talked about, not listening. But it's also because doctors often anchor what the patient has. And Terry, tell Tell Dr. Steve Feldman what anchoring is, because this is something that came from Jerry Groupman, and it's a brilliant concept. Well, in his wonderful book about how doctors think, Dr. Jerome Groupman described a doctor making a diagnosis, and he described that um, actually fairly, fairly early in the encounter, the doctor is thinking, all right, what could be wrong with this patient? And most of the time, he's going to come up with something that's a most probable problem. And sometimes the doctor, as Joe says, anchors, decides this is the problem, and then kind of ignores anything else that doesn't quite fit that diagnosis. Anchoring, and we all do it. I don't know if you've ever worked a crossword puzzle and, and put in a possible answer and then discovered later that it just didn't work, but you're loath to give it up because it fit that so well it fit the across but it doesn't work for down you're anchored and you're having a hard time coming up with alternatives so how do how does the patient reduce diagnostic mistakes because the doctor is the expert after all well there are a couple of questions you can ask like how confident are you in the diagnosis are there any other tests that might help clarify the diagnosis and most important of all what else could it be? And let me give you an example from the world that you live in. Let's say a patient wakes up at 3 o'clock in the morning covered with hives and is just feeling itchy and very uncomfortable and rushes off to the emergency department, and the ED doctor says, oh, yeah, you've got hives. Let me give you some Benadryl. Well, that's an easy diagnosis. It's a quick diagnosis, but it could be completely wrong, or not that the patient doesn't have hives, but the reason for it, the doctor may say, well, you know, hives kind of come and kind of go. We don't completely understand them. It might be stress. But maybe that person was bit by a tick, oh, six or eight weeks earlier, and uh, maybe they had a big steak dinner that night. Four, five, six hours later, they could have a hive reaction from what's called alpha-gal allergy. Now, 99% of the time, it probably is hives, but 1% of the time, it could be this life-threatening reaction to this protein in meat. And if the doctor doesn't realize that it could be indeed an allergy to the meat, this patient is going to go on and have this reaction every time they eat meat thereafter. So this is what's called a zebra in medicine, and there's a saying, as you well know, when you hear hoofbeats, think horses, not zebras. But every once in a while, a zebra shows up in the emergency department, and the doctor needs to be humili have humility and not arrogance and think that he's got the right diagnosis. The patient can help with that process. Yeah, I was thinking that... Maybe uh, the week before this hive event, they were listening to your radio program and um, learned about a, a home remedy for um, depression, took some herb, and uh, 
and got the rash. Okay. And, and that could that could happen as well. I mean, it, just because it's an herb doesn't mean it won't give you a nasty reaction. And people do develop uh, allergic reactions, skin reactions sometimes to um, to some of the botanicals. Even botanicals that can be helpful in some situations, like turmeric, can cause reactions in some folks. So w one of the things I loved about your book when it, when, it, when it mentioned this issue was the fact that there has to be a balance because we could do other tests upon other tests upon other tests to rule out, you know, the 1% or the one-tenth of 1% or the one in a million chance that these highs were caused by some sort of pancreatic cancer, you know, and we could do an MRI, whole body, and... But but that probably but, but but there may be a place for uncertainty. There's always uncertainty, as you point out. Well, I, I think that that is something that both physicians and patients need to embrace rather than shun. And what that means is that the doctor has to communicate to the patient, well, I could be wrong. I, I think you've got hives. But maybe it's something else, and if they don't get better or if they come back again, uh, you need to be in touch with me, and we'll need to explore the possibility that something odd is going on. Um, it, you know, patients are comfortable with uncertainty when the doctor phrases it that way, but when the doctor is absolutely certain that it's X and it turns out to be Y, the patients often become quite frustrated. So I think... You know, as long as everybody recognizes, yeah, there, there's uncertainty out there, and, and doctors are human just like everybody else, and we can't afford to do MRIs on every headache, I, I think people will be comfortable with that concept. What we're talking about with respect to communication between patients and physicians, I think, is probably the hardest thing um, to deal with. Uh, you mentioned other things that patients should be sure of. For example, making sure they see every lab test result, making sure they're getting appropriate instructions for every drug, the drug interactions are looked at. You know, all those are pretty straightforward, checklist kinds of things. But human communication can, and the potential to make a person feel defensive, um, that's, a, that's real problematic, getting patients to speak up to their physicians uh, in an assertive um, and non-threatening way? That can be a big challenge. Some people do it very well and with great grace, and other people just have an e enormous problem with it, either because they feel so intimidated and they're afraid that if they voice any objection or um, question the physician that they won't get good medical care, or because they're perhaps they're overcompensating and they come on much too strong. And we've all encountered people who can do that. Well, to be very honest with you, Steve, it's a very imbalanced relationship. I mean, the, the doctor has the white coat and the stethoscope and all the tools and all the education, and the patient often feels very insecure. Um, you know, they've got something wrong, something hurts, something looks funny, they're worried, the doctor is all-wise, all-knowing, and if the doctor says, you've got to take your Lipitor or you're going to have a heart attack, the patient feels 
kind of uncomfortable saying, yeah, but doctor, my joints hurt. I, I can't get out of the bathtub because my muscles have become so weak and painful. And I used to like taking a bath. And you're saying, I've got to take this drug that's preventing me from playing golf or tennis or doing the things that I used to really love to do. I, 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 what am I going to do? So, you know, here's a situation where the doctor may be very, very assertive, take your pill, and the patient is saying, but, 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 wait a minute, I don't, I don't feel comfortable with this medicine. It's, it's ruining the quality of my life. So now we've got this chasm between the doctor and the patient, and it's going to require breaking down those walls, those barriers, where the doctor may have to say, I hear your frustration, but you've had a heart attack, and I'm trying to prevent you from having another one. So maybe we can compromise. Maybe we can lower the dose of the statin, or maybe we can find another way to get your cholesterol under control because I want you to have the opportunity to socialize with your friends. I want you to be able to take a hot bath if it makes you feel good. So it requires this this ability to, to be respectful of one another, understand where the other person is coming from. The doctor is trying to prevent another heart attack. The patient is trying to have the best quality life they possibly can. And, uh, and, and you know, you have been at the forefront of trying to break down those barriers as well, for which we are very grateful. Patients getting information from their doctor um, is a... Ch- can be challenging, uh, but there's another um, health professional that often gets left out of these discussions, and that's the pharmacists. Patients probably can, well, from what I've read, get a lot more value um, from their pharmacists. Patients can get a lot more value from their pharmacists than they generally do now, but they will have to work at it just a little bit. Here again, the, um, <laughs> the monetary aspects of the practice have uh, kind of interfered with the, uh, with the best practice. But you can get best practice from your pharmacist. Pharmacists have an enormous amount of information to share with their customers about medications, the best way to handle side effects, what interactions to be on the alert for, um, all kinds of things. And the patient should insist on seeing the pharmacist when they get that prescription. You have the opportunity. You're, very often the, uh, the clerk or the farm tech hands you a little piece of paper and says, you don't want to see the pharmacist today. Do you sign here? And <laughs> yep. <laughs> don't just sign there. Say, no, I've got questions. I need to know. For example, a friend of ours had knee surgery yesterday. He was uh, pre- given a prescription for an antibiotic and told to take four a day. And he said to us, well, I assume this means I'm not supposed to take all four at the same time, but do I have to wake up in the middle of the night in order to space them throughout, you know, evenly throughout the 24 hours? This is a question the pharmacist can answer if the doctor hasn't already addressed it. And the doctor probably hasn't already. Actually, the doctor may have told them and and didn't give them in writing and and uh, I mean, what you say in the office may be totally forgotten. Well, I think, you know, that's a really key point, because if a doctor is giving you any kind of bad news, 
you, you kind of shut down the minute you've heard it. You know, you have systemic lupus erythematosus. Really, doctor? Oh, oh my that God. sounds terrible. Mm-hmm. It sounds so scary. And from that moment on, the patient may be there physically, but their brain may be out in the stratosphere someplace. And everything the doctor says thereafter doesn't really register. And when the doctor says, and I'm going to prescribe prednisone, and I want you to take, you know, five milligrams a day at mealtime, they may, they may not hear that. So they may take it on an empty stomach and develop some GI problems. So the, the point is that just because the patient is sitting across from you and nodding their head knowingly, they may not have heard a word you said or may not remember it when they get home. So that's why it's really critical for a physician to write down key information on a piece of paper or make sure that the patient or the patient's advocate, we always encourage people to take along an advocate, can write that down, or even take along a little recording device. Now everybody has a smartphone. Often those smartphones have uh, recording devices so that you can actually record the conversation. When you get home, you can play it back and make sure you've got the details. But you know, just giving somebody a package insert, you know, the pharmacist gives you this piece of information that has so much detail in it, most people either throw it away immediately or file it in a drawer someplace and they don't even look at it or forget where they put it, and then if they do look at it, it's so overwhelming and confusing they don't understand it. If the doctor just took a few minutes to write down the key instructions beyond what would go on the label of the prescription, plus the most common side effects and the most dangerous side effects, that act alone will go very far in allowing the patient to understand the benefits and risks of the medicine. If a symptom shows up, the patient will then go back to that list that the doctor gave him and be able to hopefully take the appropriate action. But as you were saying, the pharmacist also can help in this particular process. Okay, so we've covered a lot of things uh, from your book, Top Screw-Ups Doctors Make and How to Avoid Them. So there's things, the scripts that doctors do, there's things that uh, you, you provide whole lists of things that the patients can do with respect to pharmacists and things that patients can do themselves. I love the, the list of lists that you provide. Um, and the final one, the patient safety checklist, that is, um, uh, this should be posted not just, I guess, on the doctor's wall in their office, but uh, in the patient's wallet. Um, this is, patient safety is something that, uh, it, it's a hot topic. It's one that you guys are very passionate about. Well, the whole book really is about patient safety. And and we're passionate about this for a variety of reasons. One, we've been writing about it for 35 years. One of our books was called Deadly Drug Interactions. We worry about when putting certain medications together, there can be unexpected complications. But we had a personal experience. Uh, My mother died of a drug interaction, an, an unintentional drug interaction, while she was at a hospital, one of the best hospitals in this country. A resident was following a protocol, injected her with Demerol, a powerful pain reliever that led to something called serotonin syndrome, which is uncontrollable muscle contractions, the last thing you would want to have after angioplasty. And so as a result, she bled and died. Well, we're trying to prevent that kind of tragedy from happening to anyone else. So. That's why we think a patient 
checklist that is as important as a doctor checklist when a, when a doctor puts in a central line, uh, thanks to Dr. Peter Pronovost, one of the country's leading patient safety experts, uh, doctors all across the country, in fact, all across the world, now have a five-point checklist that they can make sure you know, that there's going to be less likelihood of catching a serious hospital-acquired infection. Um, we think patients can do very much the same thing, whether they're in the hospital or whether they're visiting their primary care physician. Uh, Joe, Terry, um, do you have any final suggestions for our listeners today? Well, you know, I, I hate to say this, but patients need to expect mistakes when they go in the hospital. Studies have shown that mistakes will happen to almost everyone, either they will get the wrong drug or the wrong dose or the wrong combination or perhaps the wrong procedure or somebody will forget to wash their hands. So when you go in the hospital, take along an advocate, a family member, a friend, or someone who you can trust who can be looking out for your benefit and, and have them expect mistakes and be on the lookout and, and sort of verify that everything has gone right. The other thing is I think it's important for people to have the kind of communication with their physician that we've been talking about today. Be assertive. Ask questions. When you don't get good answers, let the doctor know that you don't understand. You need clarification. Uh, ultimately, it is a partnership between physicians, patients, pharmacists, nurses, nurse practitioners, physician associates, we're all in this together, and it has to be a team effort. I think of the patient kind of as the quarterback because the patient has to ultimately live in their body, and the patient has to coordinate everything that's going on, whether they're getting a prescription filled or whether they're seeing a specialist. But you cannot win the game unless it's a team effort, and hopefully this is all about winning and good health. Well, if, if the patient is going to be the quarterback, uh, they need to be educated, as um, you pointed out in one of your principles, the basic principles underlying what you do. And to do that, I, I would encourage patients to visit the People's Pharmacy website, um, get the book, Top Scripts Doctors Make and How to Avoid Them, and, and some of the other many books that you've written, Joe and Terry, and uh, listen to the radio program. I know... Um, patients won't be disappointed if they do. Thank you so much for being on the program today. Thank you so Thank much, you, Steve. Thank you, Steve, and, and we hope people will also visit drscore.com because there's wonderful information there as well. Joe, you're kind. I, ho I hope Dr. Score does fill a niche helping people give feedback to their doctors, helping improve medical care, but I want to let our listeners know ThePeoplesPharmacy.com is truly a fabulous resource of health information. You can listen to the show on public radio. Uh, it, it's not only informative, but very entertaining. You can get podcasts, and I know that you probably listen to podcasts because you're listening to a podcast right now. You can download uh, Joe and Terry's shows from their website, www.peoplespharmacy.com. The website has other health information. They've got great videos. There's a newspaper column. And currently, uh, 
you may want to take a look at Joe and Terry's new book, Top Screw-Ups Doctors Make and How to Avoid Them. Uh, the book is full of practical advice, things you can do with your doctor, with the pharmacist, uh, things to avoid hospital screw-ups. I think this book is a great resource. Again, it's Top Screw-Ups Doctors Make and How to Avoid Them, and it's available in all the usual places. You can get it through the People's Pharmacy website, which is peoplespharmacy.com. Uh, you can get it uh, over the web at Amazon. I'll, I'll provide a link to the book on the Getting Better Healthcare website. Well, I hope you've enjoyed today's program. Our theme music is by the incomparable Michael Zioli. Our show is brought to you in part by Leo Pharma. Until next time, I wish you the best of health. Thanks for listening to the show today. Remember to go to DrScore.com to get and give feedback about your doctor and to read others' recommendations about doctors in your area. It's a way to choose your path to healthcare empowerment. That's D-R-S-C-O-R-E.com, DrScore.com. And we'll see you next week right here on Getting Better Healthcare.